Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Hey, well, isn't that great about our Thanksgiving food drive, how we exceeded every expectation, over a thousand meals for people in need? Isn't that amazing? So that's your guys' generosity at work to the glory of God and the glory of Jesus. So amen to that. Well, welcome again to all of you. My name is Trevor. Glad to be here with you. Glad everybody is joining us here online. It's great to be back with you guys. Can I just say here to everybody, happy belated Thanksgiving. Great. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Is anybody still in a turkey coma? No? Okay, great. So um, we hope you had a great holiday. Hope you had a safe holiday with you and your family. And especially, again, welcome to anybody who's a guest with us streaming online. Maybe you're with family. Maybe you're out of state watching with family. We're glad that you've joined us for church here at Community of Hope as well. Now, here's what I'm really excited about this week in particular and why I'm excited to say happy belated Thanksgiving. Because if it's a happy belated Thanksgiving, that means it's a Merry Christmas, dadgummit. It's officially time. You can put up your Christmas lights. You can wear your Christmas plaid. About time. Merry Christmas. Bam. I'm excited about it. Who's got your tree up already? Who's got it? Look at you guys. All right. Who's got your lights up already? Nice. Very good. Uh, who's got an ugly Christmas sweater already broken out? <laughs> and I was like, my sweater's not ugly. Okay, great. I'm excited about Christmas, and I love Christmas. Oh, by the way, kids, welcome here. This is all the weekend. Kids, we're glad you're here. Can we honor the kids in the room? Where are the kids? Yep. We're glad that you're here. Kids, one of the things I love the most about Christmas, I love Christmas because that means I get to eat the best type of M&Ms there are. Christmas M&Ms taste better than all other M&Ms. It's science. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible. Red and green is better than all the other colors. I read it, I think, I'm at least 51% sure. And so I love Christmas M&Ms. They're the best. And what, oh, it's also time to finally, to really welcome in the Christmas season. It's not only decorates, it's not only Christmas M&Ms. I get to finally drink Coke with Santa on it, right? (laughs) Get that polar bear nonsense out of here. No, I want Coke with Santa on it. Nothing rings in the Christmas season exactly like that. It's the best tasting Coca-Cola there is for sure, 100%. Don't come at me, okay? In fact, I think I really, I really want to ring in the Christmas season right now. I would love a Coke with Santa on it right now. Oh, oh, oh. Man, Jose, you're good. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Hey, give a hand to Jose, right? Yeah, good job, man. Look at that. You would not believe how much. Uh, this, is the, this is the biggest can of Coke I could find with Santa on it. In fact, I think I should just open it up and ring in the Christmas season right now. Okay, ready? Christmas comes. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, the real trick is, can I preach without burping? (laughs) All right, so everyone say it with me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. 
Ah, now it's finally here. So we are excited for the Christmas season to officially begin uh, here and in our culture, in our lives, and especially here at Community of Hope. And so we're going to be starting a new series that we're going to be talking about during the Christmas season. But in the church world, the Christmas season we call Advent. Now everyone say that with me, Advent. Advent. And what Advent is, is a traditional four Sundays before Christmas. And it's represented here. We have this, what's called a traditional Advent wreath. And our church is pretty non-traditional in a lot of different ways. Like we have way too much electricity going on in our church to be considered traditional by any sorts of the imagination. Um, But each one of these candles represents the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Now, Advent is about celebrating and remembering the coming of Jesus to us. Now, not just 2,000 years ago about how the word of God was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's also remembering how Jesus still comes to us and how he's promised to come again. He comes to us in the scriptures. He comes to us by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he has promised to come again in final glory. Advent is about all those things, about us preparing and making ourselves ready for the coming of Christ. And so we light now the first candle of Advent in anticipation for the celebration and the coming of Christ. Now, in this series, we're calling Make Room. Make Room. This is kind of what we're talking about throughout Advent. Now, we're going to be reading here our new scripture memory verse for the series. This is something our church does, our church does as a practice. It's not a pop quiz, so to say. But uh, what it is, it just helps to get the word of God hidden in your heart. And there's actually a spiritual benefit of memorizing scriptures. It's really good for your soul. So what we're going to do, we're going to put it up on the screen. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Is that it? Nope, that's not it. We're going to Luke 1, 17 later. I need a little bit more. Here we go. All right, just kidding. It's Luke 2, excuse me. Six through seven. We're going to get to 17 here in just a moment. Luke chapter two, verses six and seven. And this is our theme verse for this year. So maybe um, if you're at home watching with us, or maybe here in the room, if you can, let's read it out loud all together. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you read out loud everything in church today. This is the last thing we'll do like that. But let's read it out loud all together, especially at home. Ready, go. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her son, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So we're talking about make room in this series. Every time I think of the holidays, um, I always think of making room and preparing a place for guests. I think of making room and preparing place for family, for relatives, for friends who are like family. And hospitality is such a wonderful thing. It's more than just an industry. Hospitality is the gift and ability to make guests feel at home. That's what hospitality is all does, to make people feel welcome, to feel at ease, to feel at home. That's what happens when we make room for people. I think of some of the people who've been most hospitable in my life and who have modeled hospitality for me better than many others. I think of my mom and my dad. They're both so gifted with hospitality. Every time I saw them do this for people all growing up, and now they do it for me and my family when we go to visit. They always have 
The house is clean, obviously, and beautiful, and the beds are made. They have little stuffed animals ready for the kids on their beds with little note cards. They have my favorite dessert and our favorite snacks and our favorite beverages all ready for us. They've anticipated our coming and have made special arrangements to make us feel welcomed, thought of, cared for, and loved. My wife's family does this as well. My in-laws are better than your in-laws. I don't care what anybody says. And they do this as well. Like my family or my wife's family, they're not chocolate dessert people. They're more like fruity dessert people, right? Um, Yeah, it's laughable to me too. I'm definitely a chocolate guy. So even though they're not a chocolate family, they always make sure there are Oreos for me in the house when I go. Isn't that so sweet, right? They always have pumpkin cookies for my wife. They always have my my mother-in-law always makes uh, really from scratch cute outfits for the kids, dresses for the girls, they do all that stuff, and they prepare for us to come. They make room for people to come. Now, we're going to be talking about this series for Make Room. Isn't about how to be more hospitable in your house when you have guests, because you know even some of that is getting a little bit tighter. We're not talking about that type of hospitality in our today in our culture. We're talking about a different type of making room. We're talking about an unseen way to make room, and a deeper way to make room than just what you think about traditional hospitality. So our passage that we're going to be looking at today for our first week of Advent, our first week of Make Room, comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. So if you haven't opened up your app yet, uh, the COH app on your phone, go ahead and do that. Now you can open up sermon notes, so you can take it, uh, notes on the Bible app on your phone or paper journal, whatever you do. However you take notes, I encourage you to take notes. You'll learn more when you do that. And so it comes from Mark, chapter 1, verse 1. Now here's what's interesting about what we're about to read here in just a moment. This is not a traditional Advent passage. This is not a traditional Christmas passage. In fact, in this passage represents a time when Jesus was already a grown man. So why are we reading it to get ready for Christmas? Well, just wait and see. This passage actually has more to do with Christmas and more to do with Advent and making room than it appears to the naked eye. So Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. It says this here, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the title of this morning's message we're calling prepare, prepare. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you that you came to us 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger. We thank you that you still come to us um, and you uh, exercise your authority to us through your written word that you inspired by your spirit. You come to us by the fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you've promised to come again. 
as we open your scriptures now to read them and to examine them by this Holy Spirit, Lord, would you cause the scriptures to read and examine us? Speak fresh, we pray in your name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so let's talk just a moment about what we just read with the gospel of Mark. So Mark is written by its namesake, Mark, which is understood traditionally. Um, Mark was a associate of the Apostle Paul, who we talk about a lot here in church. He was also the protege of Peter. Um, much of the gospel account of Mark, what church historians and theologians believe, was Mark's writing down of Peter's just, uh, how should I say this? All of P- Peter's verbal retelling of the story of the ministry of Jesus. Mark heard Peter talking all about Jesus, every story about him, everything they experienced, everything that he said, everything that happened, and Mark started to write it all down. So really, even though Mark wrote this gospel, this ancient biography of the life of Jesus, we're reading the account of Peter, the life of Jesus. Now, this, even though it's the second in the New Testament, in the, in the New Testament, there are four of these biographies of the life of Jesus. If you want to learn about Jesus and his life, or if you want to learn about anybody, you just don't read one biography. You read a couple different biographies from different perspectives. And so we have the four in here. Ready? Say it with me if you know it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Mark is the second one in the New Testament, but it's actually the oldest, and it's the first one that was written. And so this passage, even though it's not typically, like I said, an Advent passage, has everything to do with Christmas because in this passage, it talks about the other baby from the Christmas story. Let me refresh your memory if you're unfamiliar with this or maybe you've forgotten. In the Christmas story, there's a retelling of two births that come about by supernatural means. The first person to get pregnant isn't Mary, it's her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth, now there was no uh, conception by the Holy Spirit, it was her and her husband, were they were able to conceive after a lifetime of being barren, they were able to conceive in their old age, and she became pregnant with a child that would become John the Baptist. Elizabeth and Mary were actually pregnant at the exact same time, with Elizabeth being a few months ahead of Mary in her pregnancy when Mary was carrying Jesus in her womb. In fact, while John was still in Mary's womb and all the supernatural accounts that happened around his conception and his coming to Elizabeth, check this out. Here is Luke 1, 17. And this is the life, mission, and prophecy spoken over John the Baptist. And it says here, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If you're taking notes, it's that last phrase we need to focus on. They're preparing a people for the Lord to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So what we learn here about making room and what we learn about preparing is that John the Baptist teaches us that we're not trying to create hospitality around spaces or hospitality around rooms, but we are making hospitality. We are creating um, space. We're making room. We're preparing, not rooms, but people. Not spaces, but hearts. And this is what this series is trying to get at. How do you make room 
deep in here to experience more of God in your life. Maybe for some of you for the very first time to experience the presence of God. Maybe for some of you, you've been in a dry season and you need a breakthrough. How do you make room to experience more of God and to make room for Christ in fresh ways this season? This is what we're talking about today. So here's what we can learn. In this first message for Advent, we're going to explore how John the Baptist modeled for us preparing ourselves for more of God and how to prepare yourself to make room for him. So first, here's what we can see from the passage. If you're taking notes, write some of this down. First, we can see we prepare by first admitting our brokenness. First, by admitting our brokenness. Mark chapter 1, verse 5, it says here, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, that's John the Baptist, and confessing their sins. So if you're taking notes, underline those three words. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. See, there's a lot of different metaphors for how the Bible talks about this idea of sin. Um, sin is whenever we have, we break one of the moral laws of God and it damages our relationship with Him and our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with each other and God's creation has all these devastating effects. But scripture has different metaphors to talk about sin and what it's like because it's kind of a little bit of a nebulous spiritual concept. Some places in scripture provides legal metaphors like guilt around acts we've done. Like, I'm guilty. That's a legal metaphor around sin. Other metaphors it talks about uh, are like clean or unclean, of how sin makes us unclean, but God's forgiveness makes us clean. That's another metaphor in Scripture to help us understand what sin does to us. Another metaphor that I think is most appropriate for today and for our culture is the metaphor of wholeness and brokenness, of that sin, excuse me, that sin does something to us. Sin, when we choose to step away from God and away from his ways, it breaks our relationship with him and it also breaks us. There's something not working right inside of us and in our lives. Have any of you ever felt something like that before, that something was broken inside of you, that something wasn't right, that you're longing for wholeness? This is the metaphor of brokenness. And so what we can see here in this passage is that one of the ways that we prepare ourselves is when we admit these broken places in our hearts and in our lives that aren't working right, that aren't working the way that they ought to, and when we openly admit that to God. Now, when we read a passage like that and we read about something called confession, some people have a really hard time with that. Um, Some people have memories of old religion that they may have practiced that may have had a little bit hard. Like, have anybody here ever had a negative experience with organized religion before? (laughs) That was way too affirming. Oh, no. Um, A lot of people have bad experience with religion here. And so when they hear words like confession, like, I don't know what your religious background is, but a lot of people, they hear those things, and, and because sometimes a bad experience can leave a bad taste in your mouth. You know, one time, um, my wife and I were making dinner for my dad. My dad commutes to West Palm Beach every now and then for work, and he stays with us. And my dad doesn't try a whole lot of different and new foods. Um, yeah, he doesn't try a whole lot of new and different foods. Uh, my dad, his idea of ethnic food growing up was spaghetti and meatballs, okay? <laughs> yeah, so 
Um, he came to us and I'm like, Dad, you like Chinese food? Right? He said, oh, yeah, I like Chinese food, sure. I'm like, Dad, if you like Chinese food, you might like Thai food. I love Thai food. There's a bunch of good Thai restaurants around here. Man, some Penang curry. Mm, love Thai food. And so uh, we thought, you know what? My dad, he likes peanuts. He might like pad thai. And pad thai, if you haven't had it, it's a noodle dish with vegetables and chicken or whatever meat in it with a peanut sauce in it. It's super tasty. It's really good. And so my wife and I thought, we'll make pad thai for dinner. Well, we didn't do such a smart thing. We went on Pinterest just looking for at-home recipes for pad thai. We picked the first one that looked good and decided to make it. It told us to have noodles, vegetables, and chicken. But then it had this really peculiar thing like, huh, well, that's weird. Let's give it a shot anyway. And so just put peanut butter in the noodles with everything else. Some of you who know cooking can already see the train wreck coming. (laughs) And so pad thai has a delicious peanut sauce. Our dish that my wife and I made for my dad was, all it was was hot noodles and peanut butter. That's it. And so when we were eating it, this is how we looked. It's like a dog with peanut butter stuck in its mouth, right? Let me tell you, my dad will never try real pad thai ever again because sometimes... When you try something, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. A bad experience can ruin a very good thing. And it's true for confession. Sometimes some of you and some of you here, in fact, I feel like it's probably, just as I'm looking at the camera here, it feels like in my heart it's more people just necessarily here in the room than online right now. Some of you, maybe here in the room, you've had a bad experience with something like confession. It has left a bad taste in your mouth. And I'm here to tell you today, don't let a bad experience ruin a beautiful and good thing. See, confession, admitting our brokenness to God, believe it or not, it actually makes room for more of God in your life. God God is attracted to honesty. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life, you need to learn to get honest with God. God can't bless and God can't draw near to who you pretend to be. He can only bless and draw near to the real you. Jesus said this one time. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's what he meant by that. Blessed are those who know they're not spiritual rock stars. Blessed are the people who know just how much they actually need God. They're the ones who get him. Pastor Dale has always said here, it's one of my favorite quotes of his ever, that being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. It's actually the prerequisite. Right? And so here's what we learned, that we prepare to make room for more of God, for more of Christ this season by confessing sin, by admitting brokenness to God, you make room for him by doing so. I try to do this every night. I don't hit a thousand at it, but more nights than not, I get to do this. I kneel by my bedside and I pray a short prayer, something like, God, search my heart. And then things will come into my head and come to my mind, come to my heart, about ways where, you know, I, there's something I shouldn't have thought, shouldn't have said, shouldn't have done. 
Maybe there's some things I should have done, but I didn't do. And in those moments, that's not the moment, if you're going to learn to admit brokenness in the season, that's not the moment to go, oh, I, I, I'm changing, I'll never do it again, I'm sorry, I'll fix it. That actually creates a barrier. If you want to draw close to God, in those moments, when you allow God's spirit to bring things that you need to admit in your life, that's the moment where you go, you're right, I did it, I'm sorry. And you know what happens when we admit our brokenness to God? The result isn't distance. The result is intimacy with God. So when was the last time you admitted broken places in your life to a God of mercy and grace? Something to think about. Next, we can also learn from John the Baptist that we prepare ourselves by changing direction, by changing Direction, Mark 1.4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, just like confession, some people break out in hives when talking about repentance. Uh, Some have experienced really legalistic forms of religion that were really overbearing and really harsh on rules that were graceless forms of maybe religion, maybe even forms of Christianity. They were so overbearing, they were all rules-based. And so when somebody says the word repentance, you shiver. (sighs) And for other people who maybe are brand new to this whole church thing, we have a lot of them in our church, a lot of people. This is the first church they've ever attended in their entire lives. A lot of people have never repented of anything before in their entire lives because they've never had a higher authority than their own sense of right and wrong. Let me tell you, if you are your own judge, you're going to do two things. You're going to either beat yourself up and guilt trip yourself to death, or you're going to let yourself off the hook all the time but be judgmental of everybody else. Which one are you? (laughs) So repentance, actually, is something so much better than those extremes. The biblical idea for repentance is not necessarily about emotion. It's more about direction. Direction. If you were here with us last week or if you streamed with us last week, I told a story about um, a beautiful wedding I got to do a couple weeks ago in Atlanta where we were a couple hours north um, a couple hours north of Atlanta in the hills of Georgia. Gorgeous scenery, gorgeous uh, wedding, just beautiful time, really special time uh, with the bride and the groom. Now, uh, here's the funny thing. The groom almost didn't make it to the wedding, guys. <laughs> so the groom and his dad which God love them, apparently they're a little directionally challenged, decided that they were going to drive up to here. And I have, a lot of, I have a lot of compassion on this because this could easily be me as well. So zero judgment here. We're all in it together. And so they looked at each other. They got in the car. All right, we're ready to go. We have everything. We're all set. Okay, let's go. Which way do you think we should go? And they looked at each other and like, why not? Let's just take 95 all the way to Atlanta. Those of you who drive the car on vacation are understanding what I'm just saying. True or false, does 95 go to Atlanta? No. They figured that out when they crossed the South Carolina border. (laughs) 
You can't make it up. I love, I, mean, I love this guy. He's so great. I could have done this too, so I totally, under, I totally understand. I would have not wanted to be able to call his future bride go, hey, baby, I'm going to be a couple hours late. And it was days before everything. Everything was fine. Nothing was messed up. It's just a really fun story to tell, and it's good to just rip those guys because I, I just love that family. Now, but somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, the groom and his dad had to make a turn to get back on track, didn't they? This is the idea of repentance. That after we admit our brokenness to God, this is what repentance is all about. It's about making necessary turns. It's about turning to leave wrong directions, to leave wrong habits, to leave wrong behaviors, wrong relationships, Repentance involves, guys, at least one or more of three different types of turns. So follow this. It's not going to be on the screen, but follow along. With the help of God, when we repent, when we change directions, we either need to turn from evil, like there's something that we are engaged in that we should stop. We need to turn from evil and or turn to do good. Sometimes we need to stop something. Sometimes we need to start doing something we should do. We need to turn from evil, turn to do good, or turn toward God in a new and fresh way. In a new and fresh way. Repentance involves at least one or more of those three types of turns. Where do you might need to make a turn? in your life this Advent season to prepare yourself for more of God in your life. And so lastly, we learn from John the Baptist that we prepare by asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this here in Mark 1, verse 8. John said this, I baptize you with water, but he, the Messiah, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When John baptized people in the Jordan River, it was all about forgiveness and repentance of sin. And everything that the water resembled was a a deep cleansing, a deep washing. There's nothing spiritual happening with the water at that point. It was symbolic for what's happening spiritually inside of people. And what John did with the symbol of the water in the Jordan River was all symbolic. Jesus does the exact same thing, but not with water, but with the power of God's spirit inside of you. Now, we're all getting ready for the Christmas season. We're all making our Christmas list. My wife and I were driving yesterday. And we looked at each other like, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? We're trying to make our list. And it's interesting, especially kids, think about what you want for Christmas, right? But here's the real thing to think about. I'm not trying to make this cheesy, but this is, I'm just going to say it as straight as I possibly can. The greatest gift you could desire this season is to ask for the gift of God's spirit in your life. There's nothing greater. Jesus is the one who gives it. 
Jesus is the one who pours it out. Jesus is the one who fills people with it. He's the gift giver for this. There's nothing more or better that you could want this Christmas season than to look at Jesus and say, would you please give me more of your spirit? If you're a follower of Christ, you already have his spirit dwelling within you, but Jesus teaches us to ask for more. Ask for more. Guys, this is the reason I actually became a follower of Jesus. I became a Christian because I wanted the Holy Spirit. I learned later on that Jesus forgives sin. What a great added benefit. I learned that Jesus reconciles me to God the Father, and I can have a relationship with God because of what he did on the cross by dying for my sins and being resurrected from the dead. I get eternal life. I get to go to heaven. All that was wonderful, added additional benefits. I started to follow Jesus because I found out he gives the Holy Spirit to people. When I first started going to church, I hated going to church. Now look at me. Watch (laughs) watch out. Go ahead. And um, I hated going to church. And then my family ended up at um, a church in the town I grew up in that loved this book and taught it. And they loved kids, and they made learning this book fun for kids. And it came alive in me. I felt good every time I went. I felt like this peace in here. Like, oh, man, I feel good when I'm here. And then things started to happen in my family. My mom and dad were always wonderful, but then something extra started to linger on them. And I could feel it. I didn't know what it was, but I would literally follow them around the house, go, what is that? And whatever that is, I want it. And then my brother got involved in the student ministry of our church, and he came back from a trip, and it was on him too. Whatever that is, I'll do whatever I have to do to get that. And we sat in the back seat of my parents' Honda Accord. He was in seventh grade. I was in fifth grade. It was 1995. And he looked at me and said, Trevor, seventh grader, seventh grader. He looked at me and said, Trevor, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And I made a determination in my heart that night that I will do anything. If somebody can just tell me how to follow Jesus, I'll say yes, if I can get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I said yes in the summer of 1995, and 25 years later, it's only getting better. And it doesn't fade. It only gets better. And I learned that it wasn't a thing, but a person. And that person is the third person of the Holy Trinity, God's Spirit, the person of God's Spirit that's sent by Jesus, that's a gift from Jesus, that's poured out by Jesus. And by saying yes to following Jesus, I get this gift, and I ask for more of it, and more of it, and more of it. And he's always ready with, are you full yet, or do you want more? More, Jesus, please. More. More till I'm overflowing, like you said we would. Overflowing with a spring of living water. So not only I'm full, but so it waters everyone around me with living water to find life in you. When you say yes to following him, and you say, hey, Jesus, please fill me. You get power. 
You get power, follow this, to experience the love of Christ for you. You can't comprehend it without the Spirit's help, but it is in the best way intoxicating when you do. Some of you need to learn a different intoxication, and this is the best one. You get power to say no to sin that I couldn't do before. All my repentance was empty. I couldn't turn from some things to save my life until he filled me with his presence. And all of a sudden, what was conquering me, I'm now the conqueror over. Some of you need the presence of the Holy Spirit to say no. And he gave me power to share the hope with anybody I meet. It's the greatest gift you could ask for this Christmas season. In fact, there's no better way that we could close our service today by having a moment of prayer to prepare our hearts and to make room. Amen? All right, would you bow your heads? There are some of you who may be in here this morning, and this may be the first time you've ever considered becoming a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to walk everyone through prayer. This isn't just for those who are doing this for the first time, but if you are wanting to do this for the first time, we're going to walk through it together. So let's start here. Let's just do what John the Baptist taught us. Take a moment to admit your brokenness to God and to be honest with him. To put the games down, to take the mask off, and to admit to him that you're broken and you need him. Do that now. Now let's take a minute. And we he taught us that we turn from evil. We turn to do good and we turn toward God. Quietly, just you and God, think about what turns do you need to make in your life today? And what would God ask you to turn from this moment? Do that now. Thank you, God. And now lastly, let's ask for God's spirit if you're willing. So just silently in your heart, if you want more of God or maybe you've never experienced him and you want to become a follower of him, just silently, no one's going to embarrass you. There's no hand raising. This is just silently with you and God. Pray this with me. Jesus, I want you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead for my life. I want you to make me whole again. I give my life to you. I choose to follow you. Be my forgiver and my friend. Be my Lord and my leader. Would you give me the gift of your Holy Spirit? Fill me now, and I will follow you all the days of my life.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, can we give a hand for anybody who may have just prayed that prayer for the first time? Amen. If you're able, would you please stand for our closing moments? And so if you're somebody here and you're new with us, you're ready to take a next step in faith. Maybe you said yes to becoming a follower of Jesus. Maybe you want to get baptized. Maybe you want to become part of our church. Just text the word next to the number on the screen or go to that website, communityfolk.church slash next. Fill out the information. We'll help you take your next step in faith. We'd love to get connected with you. But otherwise, for the rest of us here and for everybody here online, I'm going to pray over us the theme verse of Community of Hope as we go forth from this place. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in God's peace, friends. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week.